Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. So, hey, again, welcome, you guys. Glad you're here. Again, my name is Glenn, and uh, my wife Donna and I uh, are the founding pastors here, and we're just excited to celebrate Easter with you today. Of course, as uh, was previously mentioned, you know, resurrection of Jesus and new life in him is really why we're here. Uh, Today is also kind of a a fun and special day for us. It's sort of new life for us as a church. Uh, We planted this church over 20 years ago. I've had some ups and downs during that time, and about a year ago, started praying and thinking about possibly sort of hitting the reset button. I think I was watching one of those uh, office staples commercials, somewhere they hit the button, you know, and I thought, okay, let's do it. So we uh, today is our first day, actually, under the name Cascade Vineyard, and I'm not going to go into the whole story about that today, but we are excited for what God's doing with us, and, and just want to... Thank all of you for being with us today. It really means a lot, uh, especially our friends and, and uh, like I said, friends and family from, from other churches in the area. So I want to get into the message today. My title this morning, if you want to put that up, please, is Sunday Hope in a Friday World. And uh, that is probably a little bit inverse of how we normally think of our week. I know there's at least two or three of us here uh, world's changing, but a few of us still work Monday to Friday, right? Anybody still work Monday to Friday? Okay, good. I'm glad. It used to be everybody worked Monday to Friday. Now everybody works all over the map. But typically, if you work Monday through Friday, Friday is Friday, right? You look forward to that. Woohoo! And then you get the weekend to rest or play or mow the lawn or do whatever you do on the weekend. And then Sunday, you go, oh, I got to go back to work tomorrow. Um, so it's kind of like Friday is the good day. Sunday is the hard day. But in terms of the ministry of Jesus and the kind of conclusion of his earthly ministry, at least, it was completely the opposite of that. Friday was a dark day. Friday was a a very, very, very dark day. And then Sunday brought about, of course, a whole new reality. So this morning I want to talk a little bit about Sunday hope in a Friday world. And if you just take a second and pray with me, uh, we'll, we'll jump in. Father, I thank you for your word and uh, how you have given us uh, your word to strengthen our lives and to lead us and guide us as we navigate the, uh, the roads of life and the hills and valleys and ups and downs and the left turns. And just pray that you would speak to our hearts today and that you would renew and restore hope to us on this Easter morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So our text this morning is uh, one that it would probably not normally, you wouldn't think of as an Easter text. It's actually from the book of Romans, and I'm only going to do uh, just one verse this morning. And I'm reading this morning from the Passion Translation. Thank you very much. Thank you, Zoe. And it says in Romans 8.18, I am convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. 
So Paul is writing here, and he's telling us really two things. The first thing that I see in that is that, whose child is that anyway? That's my grandson. He can do whatever he wants. Paul is telling us that there will very likely be some hard times in life. Anybody? Uh, I remember being a teenager and just starting to figure that out. I, used, I grew up thinking, you remember this? Maybe I'm not the only one. You, I used to think, well, whenever this current situation, when I get past this, then everything will be good for a while. Anybody remember that? And I realized after a couple of this current situations that that was not the case. So I was talking to my pastor at the time, who was a very wise man. I was kind of whining a little bit, if I can be honest. And he looked at me and he said something very profound. He said, life is hard. (laughs) It's not what I wanted to hear. I was kind of wanting to hear, oh, it's going to be okay, baby. Here, have a chocolate chip cookie. But uh, he said, life is hard. And you don't really get to choose that. Because what you do get to choose is whether you go through those hard times with Jesus or without him. And that really was the profound part, and that has served me well ever since. So Paul's telling us here, yeah, life's hard sometimes. There's going to be some suffering. There's going to be some hardship. There's going to be some difficult times. But then he says something amazing. No matter what that is, whatever you encounter in the course of life, It's nothing, it's less than nothing compared to what we will experience and the glory of God in our lives. And I want to just parenthetically kind of say here that that is a kingdom-oriented verse. And by that I mean this, that Paul is not talking about the glory unveiled in us exclusively when we go to heaven to be with Jesus. It is that, but it's also glory that will progressively be unveiled in us throughout this life. And some of that glory will come and be with us and we'll experience the presence of God in in very real and tangible ways throughout the course of life. Uh, And then ultimately, of course, uh, we do end up with him and uh, experience nothing but the glory. So in summary, I think Paul's saying this, the bad news can be bad, But the good news is gooder. Um, Anything, whatever you go through, whatever you're going through, uh, it's not really even worth comparing to the glory and the goodness of God's kingdom. Now, I I don't know about you. Uh, Sometimes when I take a survey of the world around us, it seems pretty bad to me. Anybody notice that? You know, I, I, don't, I don't think it matters regardless of your political affiliation or your stance on any particular issue. When you hear about or read about, uh, you know, another bombing, another mass shooting, another attack of some kind or another on somebody somewhere, whether it's at a concert or whether it's a sporting event or whether it's in a mall or a place of worship, you kind of go, oh, man, that's tragic. And I think about those lives. I, I think about the families and what it would be like. I think about uh, how that impacts a number of people far. You know, they say this many people were killed, seven, eight, ten, twelve. But how many lives are actually impacted by that? And, you know, that's here in this country, which really we can be thankful. 
that it's a fairly stable place compared to a lot of the world. Our church is part of a missions partnership with other vineyard churches in the U.S. that works in Nicaragua. And many of you over the years have been with us to Nicaragua. Uh, We started ministering there in 2004, I believe. And since then, I think I, I was trying to figure it out. I don't know exactly, but I've been to Nicaragua roughly 25 times. Somebody asked me once, uh, is it safe? And the truth is that historically, Nicaragua has been the poorest country in Latin America, which it still is today, but it's also been the safest country. And I have said with complete honesty that I have never, ever one time in all of my journeys felt unsafe when I was there. Uh, But a year ago, that changed. The government in Nicaragua, and if you follow international news at all or you are aware a little bit, they they made a change in the Social Security policy. So what the government said was, we're going to charge you a little more. We're going to take a little more out of your paycheck for Social Security than you've been paying previously. But we're not going to pay out as much. We're going to reduce the amount that you get back. Well, people weren't happy about that. So they started to protest. And those protests were... Uh, peaceful protests, but they were passionate protests, and they grew and grew and grew. And before very long, there were a large number of people protesting in the streets. And so the government contracted paramilitary forces who came in and opened fire on innocent civilians. And over a six-month period in what had historically been the safest country in Central America, over 300 people were killed. There, There is... Again, regardless of how you feel politically, there is a crisis at our southern border. The crisis is this, that people are coming to the United States because they're afraid to live where they live. That they don't want to raise their children in an environment where they're going to be taken over and recruited into drug cartels and or become victims of oppressive governments. And so they're doing the only thing they know to do, which is to leave. A few months ago, I was in Mexico with my friends Doris and Walter, who are the pastors of the vineyard in Fresno, Mexico. They were here with us about three weeks ago visiting. I think some of you might have got to meet them. They're just delightful people. They're just a wonderful couple. And I spoke at their church, and then uh, we took a day and, and an evening, and we went to the neighboring city of Zacatecas, which is the capital city of the state that they live in there in Mexico. And it is a beautiful city. It's a colonial city with Spanish architecture, you know, and all those kind of, I don't know what that kind of pinkish color of, you know, buildings is, but they're all that color with wrought iron. It's really pretty. And it was a warm night. We were walking around and there's a, a big square, like Pioneer Square, kind of big city center sort of spot. And there's musicians out there. It's very cultural, very international, you know, and there's uh, people walking around, there's food carts, and uh, we stopped and got some elote. Anybody know what elote is? It's a grilled Mexican corn with the crema and the cheese on it. Let's just take a minute. Um, oh. But it was, a, it was a great time. It was just a fellowship. We were just talking about church and life, and it was so good. And Walter turns to me, as we're casually walking down the street. And he says, this is one of the most dangerous cities in Mexico. 
Uh, it didn't feel dangerous. It felt safe. It felt wonderful and warm and caring and compassionate. But he goes, you know, the drug traffic from South America runs right through here. And so sometimes there's robberies or shootings or just stuff happens and you never know when it's going to happen. Thanks. But that's just the reality that they live under. There are failed states, not just in Central and Latin America, but all over the world. I mean, right now, you know, know, Syria, Afghanistan, Myanmar, Yemen, Sudan, Sudan, Libya, uh, there's more. In our country, we live under the threat of nuclear war all the time. Do you realize that? I mean, whether it's Russia or North Korea or whoever, all it takes really, let's be honest, is one of those guys to wake up on the wrong side of the bed and push the button. I mean, that's it. The political unrest in our country is at the highest level it's been since the Civil War. The the beauty of our democratic process has digressed to the point of name-calling and finger-pointing. And so my question, and I don't mean to be so bleak on Easter Sunday, it'll get better. But my question is, where's the hope in all that? Right? Where is the hope in the midst of all of that? So the early disciples, um, they, they knew what it was like to lose hope. The Jewish people had been living for centuries under the rule of uh, oppressive regimes and pagan foreign rulers. Currently, at the time of Jesus in the first century, they were under the rule of Rome, which was the worst of all. Rome was a very brutal government. And if you were under the rule of Rome and you did something that Rome did not like, they would crucify you and hang you on a cross on a hill outside of the city where everybody could see. And that was intentional. And the point was, you see that? You mess with Rome and that's what's going to happen. This was a challenge to their belief system because they believed that they served the one true God and that they were God's chosen people. And yet here they were living under the weight of this oppressive, brutal government. They had a measure of hope in their hearts because they read in their Hebrew Bible prophecies of a Messiah who would come and deliver God's people. And they had believed that and clung to that for centuries. But the problem was it had been centuries. And nothing had happened. In fact, if anything, you know, it had gotten worse. And so, uh, into that political climate comes Jesus. And Jesus comes and he begins talking about the kingdom of God. And he begins demonstrating the kingdom of God. People were pretty amazed by what he had to say and what he did. They said, man, this guy has authority. Have you heard him, the way he teaches? He has so much wisdom and grace in the way that he shares about God's kingdom. He's compassionate. He values the poor. He values women and children. He values all people. And he has supernatural power. 
He multiplies food and he heals the sick. He casts out demons. I heard he even raised the dead. Word about Jesus began to spread and more and more people became convinced that maybe this really was the Messiah. This is the guy. This is the guy we read about in Isaiah. This is the guy. He's come. He's the one. And that spread and it grew and more and more people became convinced that Jesus really was the guy. And that all kind of reached a peak on what we call Palm Sunday. When Jesus rides into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, which time out for a second, I'm going to just brag. My grandson said this week, you know why Jesus rode on a donkey? He's five, by the way. Because he came in peace. If he came on a horse, that would mean he was going to start a war. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. Yeehaw! I don't know if anybody said yeehaw. I would have. But when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, hope rose up with him. There was new hope. Jesus is, has come. He, he's the guy. He is going to overturn the evil Roman Empire and restore Israel to its rightful place in, in the order of life and in God's kingdom. This is the day that we've all been waiting for. But it didn't happen that way, did it? Not at all. Within days, Jesus was arrested. He was beaten and tortured. And those exact same crowds who yelled, Hosanna, Hosanna, yelled, crucify him, crucify him. And they did. Another body on a cross, on a hill outside the city. Don't mess with Rome. And that was the, uh, that was the worst possible ending. On Sunday morning, some brave women went to the tomb, and they really were brave because the reality was that if you were working with or serving an insurrectionist, you too were an insurrectionist, and you could be put to death. But they went. Only when they got there, things weren't right. Somebody had moved the stone away from the front of the tomb. And when they looked inside, he wasn't there. They went and told the others, and Peter ran to the tomb. What's going on here? Jesus said he would raise up. Is that what happened, or did somebody take his body? This was a very confusing moment in time. But then Jesus shows up. He appeared to Mary and to Peter, to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. He came and and spent time with the others, and Thomas didn't believe it. He came in late and he said, I don't believe it. And Jesus said, no, Thomas, it's me. See, check it out. Over 40 days, Jesus hung out with the disciples. He spent time with them, and he had meals with them, and he continued to share and talk to them about the kingdom of God and talk to them about what was going to happen. It's so amazing. I so wish we had some of that conversation written down. 
You know, if you believe this story, that's an important part. Because if he didn't raise from the dead, then what was going on during those 40 days? Okay? There there are a number of different uh, theories about that. This is my favorite. Uh, There's a guy, this is a guy actually wrote a book about this, okay? And his premise is this that there were mushrooms growing in the hills around Jerusalem that had hallucinogenic qualities. And that during that 40 days, the disciples were actually eating magic mushrooms and hallucinating. (laughs) Dude. (laughs) See see Jesus right now? (laughs) So cool. (laughs) Got any Cheetos? I can't make this stuff up. I mean, the the reason that the tomb was empty, the reason that the disciples spent time with Jesus is because God raised him from the dead. When someone dies, we expect them to stay dead. We're sad, and we grieve over the loss, but we also recognize that this is a permanent condition. Uh, it's it's not like the uh, man in black and the princess bride when they bring him to Miracle Max, right? And he, he brings him back to life. Why? Because he's mostly dead. Well, Jesus wasn't mostly dead. Jesus was dead, dead. So here is the conclusion to the story. What Jesus did that day was um, to introduce a whole new kind of hope. The Jewish people had believed that God would ultimately defeat their enemies, but the hope that they had now was greater than that. It was no longer about God defeating their enemies. It was about them loving their enemies and completely transforming culture. It was no longer about God liberating Israel because this hope was greater than that. It was not limited to Israel at all. It was for everyone. It knew no geographic boundaries, no political boundaries, no racial boundaries, no gender boundaries, no age boundaries, no boundary boundaries. This hope included everyone. It wasn't an end to all suffering and pain. In fact, for the disciples, things kind of got worse. But this hope transcends the circumstances of our life. It wasn't about things getting better in the world. It really was about rising above the things of this world. And, you know, I want to say, if you take one thing away today, remember that, because the hope that we have is not in the things of this world. It's not in governments. It's not in policies. It's not in military force. It's in the resurrected life of Jesus Christ and nothing else. And in so much as the disciples continued to suffer even after the fact, they went through persecution and were ultimately all put to death They could see now that God has a plan. The cross seemed like 
the ultimate evil and the death of hope, but what it really brought about was new life and new hope. Not every circumstance got better, and I think that's important for us to remember too. Some things got worse, but Jesus had overcome sin. He'd overcome evil. He'd overcome death. And he caused new hope to rise up in the hearts of his people. And as we follow him, we can cling to that too, no matter what happens around us today. No matter what this Friday world brings, we know that Jesus has overcome sin and evil and death, and we have hope and we have life in him. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up and lead us in a final song, but just close with this. We, we really do live in a Friday world. And sometimes it looks pretty bleak. As one pastor said, so... Uh, Famously, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming, right? And so as on this Easter day, as we consider the resurrection of Jesus, and what does that mean to us? I would say this, uh, regardless of what the world looks like around us, we know that Christ has overcome those things. And sin and evil and death don't have the last word. God has the last word. Death isn't the end, new life is the end. Sin isn't the end. Righteousness is the end. Evil isn't the end. Eternal peace is the end. The darkness of the Friday world isn't the end. The light of Jesus on Sunday morning, that is the end. Why don't you guys stand? Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org forward slash give.